tell me about your uh, your cheetah your cheetah print outfit you got on here. Uh, I got it for Christmas. Ooh, yeah. Because you're you're a sweat you're a sweatsuit guy, aren't you? Well, somewhat recently I became that. Yeah, it looks dope. <laughs> well, today my guest is uh, Philip Peterson. You're a composer. You're a celloist. You're a songwriter. You're part of a band called uh, Tennis Pro, and uh, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Good to be here. Yeah, man. So I feel like I haven't seen many podcasts or interviews from you. So I feel like I just want to start with the bassist. You know, like you're you grew up here in Seattle, correct? Yeah. yeah. So what part of Seattle? Northgate. Okay. So yeah. you you live there now still? Huh? Yeah, I still live in the house I grew up in. No way. Yeah. Did you like buy it? From I your bought family? it off my folks. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. What what year so, was it built then? It's probably like an older house at that. Really point. old. Yeah. It's like nineteen late twenties. Uh. Yeah. Nice. So it's an old house, and that was one of the reasons I was able to buy it, because it was in such bad shape. Oh, shit. There we go. And so now we, that was in 05, 04, okay. I think 04. And then uh, we've been working on it ever since, and it's still not done, but we've huh. been living in it the whole time. So Very nice. Yeah. And I'm guessing you went to high school around here, and did you go to college? And- I went to Roosevelt, and then I went to North Seattle Community College okay. at the same time. And then I also, at one point, I li- moved, my folks moved up to Skagit County. Mm-hmm. So I went with them for a couple of years during high school, and I went to Skagit Community College at that point. Yeah. Um, and then I went to SPU back at, to Seattle hey. in Queen Anne. And uh, what'd you go to school for? Cello performance. Oh, shit. So you've been doing cello. How long have you been playing cello then? Uh, my whole life, since I was three. Did yeah. your parents like force you kind of? Well, I mean, I don't know. When you're, you're <laughs> grow- I grew up in a, in a like classical music family, and okay. so everybody just played instrument. So when you came over to my house, it was like, well, what instrument do you play? So it's oh, like, shit. I don't know if it's forcing or what, but. Damn. It was just part of what everybody did. Everybody played their instrument, and so that was the cello was mine. And so, um, yeah. And I, then you know, I I had an adeptitude. I guess if that's a word. That's a nice word. If it is a yeah, word, adeptness. <laughs> and I'm not sure. Uh, proclivity. I okay. know that's a word for you know. I, well, I have a good ear, mm-hmm. so then that went along with the classical training pretty well. Are you like the first one in your family to make a career out of it, though? Or? Uh, no, my sister's in uh, in the music game too, and she Ooh. she has an orchestra, North Corner Chamber Orchestra. It's here local. Oh shit! Yeah, That's, what is and chamber? Really cool. It's chamber. It's music a smaller or? orchestra, but okay. what's cool is they don't have to have a conductor. What? Yeah, because I'm all about the trend of not having somebody waving a stick in my face when I'm trying to play music. It's like, dude, back off. I really? Mean, not that all conductors are bad, but. <laughs> yeah, when I was in band, I honestly didn't even. Some are good. I didn't even know what the conductor was doing half the time. I would just like, they'd start the song and I'd just start playing, you know, made sure. Yeah, I was... like, <laughs> if you have a drummer, like, half the drummer counted off and yeah. then you're going to be just fine. So you graduated from SPU then, or what college did you graduate from? I went to SPU. Actually, I'm like two credits shy of my bachelor's because oh, wow. I just got so fed up with it. And... We should make a, we should make like a YouTube vlog of you just finishing college. Yeah, but now probably all the requirements have changed, so oh, it's probably shit. like not two credits anymore. Yeah, I right? feel that. So then, how did when did you get your first job in music? I'm guessing you probably did like teaching. I mean, I was gigging. I was doing dinner theaters and and weddings and 
Oh. I, I, I was playing weddings when I was in high school, like every weekend. And you join, you have to join like an orchestra for that? Or how do you Not even? Not really. We were, my family would do get booked and we would play like string quartet. Oh, with your family? Yeah. But oh, then shit. we would get other people and we would break out. If there was more two or three gigs, we would all split up and okay. get all the people together. And... Did you have like a, a name for your family? Like a band name? Yeah, we were the Peterson family. Okay. Very. Yeah. Makes it makes sense, I guess. So, but okay. then you know that goes on along with then you know learning how to be in a band because it's very similar to having a band. It's yeah. pretty much the same thing. So, so like you know, I was like pretty well uh, versed at playing music with other people, yeah. which then led to being in bands, which then led to getting in the studio, and then that led to doing more producing and. Um, and then with the orchestration background, and I was in orchestras too, um, with that, with the orchestra and the composing background that fed into the rock and roll being in a band thing in the studio. And so in the nineties, I started to get hired a lot to do strings for like rock records. Mm. Um, and that led to you know more producers sharing me with their friends or this artist now working in a different place and then that just sort of kept expanding from there and I just kept getting more gigs being a string arranger so it was like that what was the first band you were part of that got like any buzz for you to continue on working with other bands though oh um oh gosh it just depends on like what level of buzz mm. you know like because I feel like you could be in a garage band and like nothing ever happens. You had to have but some if success. If bands with... are playing out. So you're gig. So you were gigging in well, every band. Well, and then band. you listen to somebody's band and you hear the beautiful strings, and then you're like, look uh. at the credits, and you're like, okay, well, I want that on my record. Okay. I also used to do this thing called the Popsicle Man. Oh, <laughs> that sounds you weird. You can't do it anymore, really, because of studio etiquette. But I just played dumb, and maybe I didn't know better. Okay. But I was like twenty. And I was like, I just drove around to the different studios in town. And if somebody I knew, if their car was parked out front, then I knew it was safe for me to come in. Mm. And then I would like go into the studio and just be like, like I was supposed to be there, you know. And I had been there before, right? Yeah. These are studios that I worked in. But um, I would go in there like I was like I went to be there. And, you know, my whoever the engineer was, Floyd or somebody would be like, oh, hey, what's up, Phil? And, you know, they're like happy to see me. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm just, I just saw your car was here. And I was like curious to see who, mm. what band you're working with. And then it's like, you know, when the ice cream truck goes by and you hear the ice cream music, you're like, ooh, I do want some ice cream. And so then they'd be like, and then the guy would be like, oh, well, I want you guys to meet the, my friend Phil. He's a cello string guy and then they're like oh well we have a ballad on our record that mm -hmm. needs strings and so then i would just like get the gig right there just the hustle Damn. maybe i need to start doing that again it's like when you go into like a whatever job you want you're just like hey can i get a job here? yeah like i did that 
I don't work at Starbucks anymore, but when I worked at Starbucks, I was like, I just came in, I was like, can I have a job? And they just hired me. I didn't even yeah. ask for it. I didn't even fill out an application. <laughs> That's awesome, because they needed somebody. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, yeah, and I mean, with with getting a job, that is really cool, but I can't imagine right now, like, I wouldn't be that stoked if people did that to me in my yeah. studio right now all the time. So like, just for the record, like, I'm not saying that people should do that, but it's like the showing up thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like and being reliable too. I mean, that's kind of how like people would refer me and whatever, because they knew I would actually show up and I would actually like deliver their thing. But I also feel like, do you think studio pricing has gotten more expensive? It's gotten weirder and more competitive. I mean, there right. didn't used to be, see, see here, this is the thing. This is before like you, you could just have your own, DAW on a computer. Right, right. This is just like when only really studios were doing recording, mm -hmm. computer or not, you know. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of home studios at that point. So in Seattle. You could literally just find every studio in Seattle by yeah. looking it up. Yeah. I feel like you can't really I've tried to look, but I feel like so a lot of studios don't even, don't even have that many websites. It's just like friends studios or yeah. whatever. Well, and also now with like any commercial media, it's like who knows how much of that stuff is just being worked on remotely anyway. Yeah. That's you. You do remote you know? stuff. Oh yeah. I do remote stuff all the time for people. Yeah. So, so yeah. How, how'd you get into singing? Singing? Yeah. Um, it's just something I've always done. Grew up oh. singing in church and stuff like that. You were so in church? Just, oh yeah. You were in church. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't Mormon. It was something weird. You said it was something no, weird. No, it's just a, just a heavy evangelical vibes. Okay. But I've had a lot of exposure to other, other things. Cause like, when you're the music people, you're not quite as picky about the denomination. You more go towards where the gig is. Yeah. But yeah, my folks ended up being in some kind of like what I would think <laughs> of being a fairly extreme stuff. So like a cult? I don't know. Borderline. Okay. Yeah, borderline. I'm very. Let's just say I'm very um, sensitive to being aware of if something looks like a cult or not. I can, I'm very, very oh. good at spotting stuff like that. Has there been cults now. in Seattle? Yeah, really? Mars Hill. What's Mars Hill? Mars Hill was uh, this wolf in sheep's clothing cult where it was like <gasps> the cool church yeah. for people who drink beer and smoke cigarettes. And, but then it like had all this underlying chauvinism and oppression um, oh. in it. Um, and it was just, you know, definitely that wolf in sheep's clothing of oppression and sexism and chauvinism and what's chauvinism? And chauvinism is sexism. Oh, it's just a but like also word? homophobia and stuff. Okay. Well, in the term that I'm using it as, yes, that's what it means. Is that based off someone? That sounds like someone's name. They just added ism to the end or something. I think the technical definition is like <laughs> goes back to someone who's proud of their country or something like some patriotic thing but okay. in in our vernacular it just means somebody who looks down on women or mm. just people that are different than them or whatever you know it sounds like a great church to be part of right yeah. <laughs> yeah so so with your career do you think it's just you just moving up like a ladder or do you think there's been like plateaus ever or definitely there's always things that ebb and flow you know i yeah. think in fact i was just talking about this the other day i think even the major industry ha has it so wrong in this one sense that a lot of these even some of the people that i know 
they have this idea that everything they work on has to be publicly received bigger than the last thing they worked on. Mm -hmm. And that is just not a reality. You can't have that all the time. You can never just be the rising star of all time. Like that's never, no one has ever, if you think of anyone, any artist who's a legend, any producer who's a legend, they've never stayed cool the whole time. What about like Drake or Michael Jackson? Drake has ebbed and flowed of when he was cool and not cool yeah, already. That's true. And Michael Jackson absolutely was a laughing stock for uh, a long time. He was not always that cool. I'm just a young guy, so I feel like I could just listen to his whole catalog and be like, oh, this is totally. Cool versus- well, when somebody's a legend, you forget about when they went out of style. Mm. But all these legends went out of style. Um, Aretha Franklin became very uncool for a minute. James Brown was not very cool. The Beatles were super not cool. B.B. Mm. Um, King was not cool. He did some tv commercials and it kind of made people be like yeah yeah and then like willie nelson was kind of like somebody that styles and fashions and stuff they go in and out and then the difference between like somebody who's big in their time and a legend is that somebody who's big in their time like tommy two-tone you don't probably even know who that (laughs) is right no because they're big in their time they have their big hit they made their money they're a kind they're a star of their era and time. And then that whole thing goes out of style and something else new happens. Yeah. And then the artists that then reemerge, whether it's through people discovering them or they have a comeback hit or whatever it is, um, those artists that reemerge, that's what makes them a legend. Mm. You know, so they always have to have like a comeback story. A so, bit. yeah. So all those legendary artists that we know about, most of them, if not all of them, have had moments when even decades of not being like the cool thing where people be like, oh, that's over. Yeah. You know, and then they would make a comeback because, I mean, you know, it's like the miniskirt. It, oh. Every year, the length is slightly different, but there's only so many lengths. So it's yeah. it, if your mini skirt isn't in style, then just wait four years and it'll be back. You know? <laughs> That's a very nice analogy there. <laughs> I think people would call you a legend in Seattle, you know? Like, I feel like you're one of those few artists who actually have all like this uh, success in the industry and know how to, if people are willing to listen, can like give them some valuable advice, right? Yeah, I mean, your caveat is very uh, apropos because <laughs> I don't feel that, you know, people are willing to listen yeah. very all the time, you know, but maybe that's just me being salty, but it's like, yeah. Why do you, you're not even that I know guy, where the though, lines in know? the road are and I have access to ba- basically whatever supercar you want, but people still want to take their mountain bike and it's like, okay, well I'll see you at the destination. But like, if you, yeah, it's not an age. I don't think it's an age thing for you. I don't it's know. It's not an age thing. I don't know what it is. It's just, but you're probably not alone in that feeling. And in, in here oh, in Seattle. Oh, probably not alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think that is, though? I don't know. I think um, there's definitely a, a prevalent idea that DIY is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with that. But really, real success, especially if you want to have success outside of Seattle, um, you're going to have to DIT. You're going to have to do it together. It's mm-hmm. going to have to have some kind of teamwork, you know. Um, and I think that uh, a lot of artists in Seattle 
I, I'll, I'll do an impression of, and, and by the way, I'm a Seattle native, so mm. I might not even be picking on Seattle natives right now. I might be able, I might be picking on more a, um, an ideology that people sort of have as a preconceived thing of what Seattle is when they move here. Transplants. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But it also could maybe be the, the people who are born here. I don't know if the, there's a differentiation here, but I just have this silly analogy of someone from Seattle. Okay. Um, I want to start a band and I want to sound like the Beatles. So I don't want a producer and I don't want to share my songwriting with anybody. <laughs> hmm. But the Beatles shared their songwriting and they had a producer. Yeah. But for some reason, like people just want and and also it's like people think that starting a band is the first step towards musical success. And that's so not. Hmm. Like you just added mouths to feed before you're making any money. Like what you know what I mean? Get a job then get married, then have a baby. What You know what I mean? Like there's an order to things. Starting a band is not a viable, financially viable thing unless you already have some budget set aside for it or something. Yeah. So write a great song, record that great song, make it a hit on the radio. Now everybody wants to be in your band. See how easy that was? Right. You like know. I think Tavron's kind of an example yeah. of that, right? Like, yeah, they're doing like, great. Yeah, he's been on KXP already. Like yeah. uh, when when we show his music to someone, like yeah, he's good on his own, but a band would probably help. So maybe that's a better. Yeah, but the thing is, you can add a band in. Yeah, having a band decreases your like could potentially decrease your ability to make a good hit. Hmm. Because you want to be able to collaborate with who whatever person. As soon as you have a locked in group of people in your band that have a ring on it, yeah. now you only have, you kind of, in the perception of what a band is, now you only have to share your songwriting and make decisions and do all this stuff if it's a democratic process. Now, right. there's a different kind of band, and this is what I'm talking about. It's a benevolent dictatorship, and you just own it. Tame Impala, for example. Are they a band? Are they a guy? Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> yes, 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 it's a benevolent dictatorship. There's somebody that makes choices and doesn't mess around and waste time. And then that then he's able to co collaborate with whoever he wants, be it co-writers or producers or whoever and session players and whatever. And then when you go on tour, you have whatever bandmates you want. And it's a band. When you get mm -hmm. on stage, it's a band. But the band isn't what makes the hit. The hit is what makes the hit. The good writing is what makes a hit. The gear doesn't make a hit. The instrument that you're playing doesn't make the hit. But how do you know if you have a hit song? I feel like everyone probably feels like when they're releasing a song, it's going to be a hit, right? No one releases a song hoping it's going to suck. I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people just make music and they're not trying to make songs. Is that is that good or bad? I don't even I don't, know. I'm not saying it's good or bad at all. Huh. So like if you're like don't follow my advice if you're just trying to make music great have fun do right. your thing there's nothing wrong with that just make music I'm talking about trying to like succeed it, I mean you know financially with music which 
I wouldn't. I would say like definitely drive for Grubhub or something on the side if you want to <laughs> succeed as a musician. Like, yeah. have a different side hustle. Maybe that's not music, just to keep you healthy and alive and keep the lights on. Mm. So, so then what's the hit? Like, how do you make the hit? How like, do you make the hit? Yeah, you've had enough hits where you can probably give some advice. <sighs> First, no tell people just brag. Tell people about who you've worked with so far and like the hits you have made. Well, um, Kesha is one, and and, and um, I just worked on a Macklemore recently, and uh, Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, ASAP Rocky, Flo Rida, Lupe, uh, Lord, uh, Pink, um, St. Vincent, that St. Vincent New York song, um, Gym Class Heroes, Stereo yeah. Hearts, um, Owl City Fireflies, that's me. Um, See, this guy knows what he's doing. So, and I'm also on the Acid Tongue records. I mean, I'm also on Not a Surf on a bunch. I played on Leno and Conan with Not a Surf, and that was a blast. Hell yeah! So, yeah. So yeah, I've done a lot of things. I've, I I would say I've touched a lot of hits, um, and so I know what that looks like. It, I, it it's a longer episode to really get into what it, I mean. That could yeah, yeah. almost be a class. Yeah. Like what it takes to make a hit. The first thing is don't be so precious with your ideas. Also, don't pile on, don't pile ideas on top of each other. Hmm. Nobody needs 12 guitar solos all on top of each other. Like that's not going to be a hit. I mean, maybe, right? Sometimes Modest Mouse does some crazy stuff and it gets on the radio. That's great. But like, that's not, you know. That's not how everybody, that's not what everybody's path is going to be. Right. But you once know? you make that song, once you make that hit, you like have to have some connections though, right? You can't, you can't just like throw it up on SoundCloud. If your writing is so delicious that you're just writing hits, whether they're discovered or not, like if you're doing like a Popsicle Man type of thing and you're trying to collaborate with people, you'll... You'll make con- you'll make connections and people will want to work with you. Mm. You know, so like if you're, a, I don't. I guess it depends on the city. But do you think you should be part of like a music scene when yeah. you're an up and coming artist? Or just write with people. Okay. Most people don't write hits on their own. Mm. You know, and also that goes into even if I did write a hit on my own, it's more valuable for me to have somebody else who's got some clout to be invested in it. And then both of our people can work on it and push it and whatever. Right. You know, most of those big hits have like eight or nine writers. Taylor Swift writes with like nine people or eight people usually Mm. on some of the stuff. Maybe some of the newer stuff is a little shrunk down, but. So you're part of the music scene here in Seattle and you've worked with people in the music scene, but like then how do you get out of the music scene and work with someone like a Taylor Swift or a Kesha or anyone like that? Well, I mean, there are people locally that already have connections elsewhere. Mm. And also you can travel. I mean, I met some of my connections at South by Southwest where I used to, um, I, I didn't go the last couple, two, three years. But up till then, I was going every year to South by and I was meeting people. And I met a good Portland contingency and a good Austin contingency. And I met just different people from elsewhere. Also, when you tour, you meet people. Um, so touring, uh, gets you out of town, um, working on records gets you out of town. Cause 
a lot of times, well, especially because like Seattle is a very good town to record, make a record in. There's some great studios in town. Yeah. So, um, and it's fun. It's this is a fun town to be creative in. So as much as I'm like dogging on some Seattle stuff, there's a lot of great stuff. This is it's is a very creatively inspiring environment. So if you're a band from wherever coming to make a record here is a good idea because you will you will make a good record in the sense that the chance that you'll be in a good headspace just from the environment here it is is high like right. it, so a lot of bands come come to Seattle too so then you meet them and then they make a record in Spain or whatever which is what happened with Not a Surf they made their record here with John Goodmanson and then they, but they are they you know mostly were based in New York and now they've all split up into different continents. So you just you, if you're going to be an artist, you got to get out of here. You don't have to get out of here, but you just have to expand, I guess. Yeah, like you, you always have to keep expanding. Expand. I mean, I've never left Seattle. And why is that though? Because I have a family. Oh. Yeah. Wait, how old were you? When well, you had now your my kids? kids are grown, but I'm kind of still, I'm still working on my house that I bought. So yeah. now I'm kind of. But were you like finish that? Were you young when you had a family? We were pretty young, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah we were young. We are in our early 20s. Not like super young, but... But that didn't seem like it affected your success. Well, I don't know. Or has it? Huh. I don't know. You never know. I definitely have like a thing about like if I had gone to and lived in L.A. two decades ago, right? what would that look like for me? Probably a little bit heavier pocketbook. So there's but like a level. Who knows? Where... Maybe more expensive. I don't know. Is there a level you're still reaching for? Do you oh think? yeah, I've okay. not. I have not peaked. Okay. I have not peaked. Yeah. Yeah. The main thing I want to do right now is write more music with people. Yeah. And I have, I've, I've gotten rid of that idol of caring about how the universe receives my art now. So even just even talking about success or whatever, that's kind of like the two years ago me. Hmm. Like I'm in this spot now where I'm like, I don't really care. I just want to make something that is cool, that exists out there. Yeah. That is findable. Internet real estate, whatever that is. I just want to be out there and I and I want to just keep making stuff that makes me happy and collaborating with people. Yeah. That's like the main thing. Yeah. You got to collaborate. I because think. if it doesn't, if the art that I make doesn't come out, then that's really annoying. Right. Like I want to be invisible ink. Like if I work on something with you and it doesn't come out within a year, it's invisible ink. It's gone. You can't use it. Mm. Or maybe you pay me again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was saying. 2022 is like execution year. See, I don't want to be last year's mini skirt. Yeah. You know, I want to be this year's rad, awesome thing. And I've been in too many things that didn't come out when they should have and it just like then it lost its steam and lost its momentum wait does, and does that... i was the one saying let's put this out right now and then they're like oh but we're waiting for all our ducks to get in a row meanwhile you know how hard it is to get ducks in a row they one moves once you put a duck here the other duck moves just do your thing put it out don't listen to somebody that says oh you need to wait eight months to da 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 no Eight months from now, I'm making a new record. I made, I've, I made eight records. I made 80 records. So do you think your life kind of depends on waiting on people to get things done? Like for me, like that's one reason why I don't even have a co-host because I want to be able to exactly. just do my own ideas. 
Yeah. But doesn't that get a little anxious for you then if you have to wait for people? Well, when I collaborate people with people, I make it very clear that like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this together and it's going to come out. Mm. Okay. You know, I'm not going to wait for you. You got to be straightforward. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and even sometimes I send stuff off to somebody else, like maybe a bigger artist or something. Oh, shit. And I'll be like, here's this folder of collabs I want to do with you. And I tell them straight up in the email, if I don't hear, if you don't choose something from this folder in the next couple days, I'm sending it to so-and-so and And now it's his. And then I'm sending it to so-and-so and now it's hers and it's not yours anymore. So choose which one you want and tell me which one it is because I'm my art isn't waiting around. I, I would rather put it out and have three and a half people care about it and then have it sit on a hard drive. It's nothing on a hard drive. Mm. It's not art. And it's it's super, that's actually the, the thing that drives me the most crazy is that when people wanna sit on stuff. And then yeah. I'm just like, what good does it do if you're Charlie Puth and you write some awesome song and your A&R guy says, well, that's not a big as big of a hit as your last hit, even though it's like a massive hit. Yeah. And he's like, we're not going to put that song out. What good does it do to be Charlie Puth if you can't put out your your art, if you can't actually, your art is subject to somebody else saying whatever about it? Well, I also feel like some artists probably write something in the moment and then if they hold on to it, they're like, I don't, I didn't feel this way anymore. Right? That, that too. Yeah. That too. That's why you have to put it out when it's this year's dress because you're not, you might not like it six months from now mm. and then you're never going to put it out. And that's why I'd also like get mad at artists that delete their old material. It's like, no, that's yeah. a time capsule. Like yeah. your audience wants to see how you developed. And then they're like, but that's not what I sound like anymore. And I'm like, actually, first of all, yes, you do still sound like you. And whatever weird hang up you have about what you don't like is just your dumb thing. It's not. Yeah. Don't. I always tell people don't delete, dilute. So you don't like one of your old things? Okay, make 60 more things that aren't that to dilute it. Now, all of a sudden, it probably looks really good with your catalog because it has a broader, you know, field to lay in. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem so way out of the realm of what you do because now you have a much bigger catalog of what you do but music can be like movies right there's who's that one guy like is it daniel daniel what's his name the guy who was uh fuck the guy who played abraham lincoln he daniel day lewis yeah daniel day lewis that's it right is that his yeah, name? yeah what did he do no like he only puts out like he's only put out like 10 movies or something and he only picks up like movies that he completely believes in so can an artist yeah. be like that or is that absolutely sh- and and that's like definitely something that's very personal mm. personalized to me that I'm like voracious. I want to work on lots of music. Got it. Um but yeah, certainly some people totally take their time. Um and I but I I think that that's like if that's he- that's healthy if if you're the person who's like I am just have something else I'm doing with my life and I'm just going to let the inspiration hit me um, whenever it hits me. I'm never going to sit down at the desk and say, okay, I'm going to write a song or sit down at the guitar and write a song. I'm only going to wait 
for the symphony to come into my brain and be inspired. And then I'm going to just like, you know, vomit that idea out. And that's going to be my piece of art. And I'm going to put that out and then wait for the next round of something that I have zero control over, Mm -hmm. which is this inspiration that just comes to you. And that's beautiful. But here's the thing. Some of us can just practice the muscle of the inspiration coming to us. And then it starts to become a, a, a more of a gushing river of ins- inspiration. So yeah. it's like you can exercise your inspiration. Yeah. So, But yeah, absolutely. There are artists that only put out something every once in a while. And that doesn't make them any less of an artist at all. You're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, but I do wonder, like, do they feel like they have artist block? Are they busy? Like, what? Hmm. How did? How are you so awesome? Like every once every ten years or whatever that is. Like, I don't know. Maybe I mean, yeah. I just don't live in that world. Yeah, I feel that. Well, we gotta wrap this one up. But I feel like you gotta definitely come back on. I feel like we could talk okay. for like hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially like, when you're like, how do you write a hit song? I'm like, well, here's two minutes. It's, <laughs> collaborate that's one and don't be precious like if you have lots and lots of ideas cramming into one song maybe that's eight songs and you need to stretch those all out yeah yeah write eight songs out of it and then just pick the one that's really great so i'm also not saying don't throw stuff away write it don't be too precious about it but once you've decided that you're gonna get other people more involved and session players and recording and spending money on it, you better have a release date, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so what is the, what's the easiest way for people to, to reach you, Philip? Um, uh, house of breaking um, is a good way to find me. Um, I'm also on, um, Instagram house of breaking glass and Philip a Peterson. Wait, how'd you come up with that name by the way? House of Breaking Glass. Well, that house from earlier in the conversation where yeah. I still live, when we moved in, it was very old and there was a lot of very old panes of glass and we were young and we had parties and different glasses and other glass implements would break and windows would break. And wow. I don't know, there's just kind of a thing what? about the house that especially it seems more calm now that I think we're a little older now and less glass breaks, but yeah. And also it's sort of like a glass ceiling type of thing too because I think it's easy for us in Seattle in the music industry to sort of feel like the underdogs and have an inferiority complex a little bit about the, about, you know, not getting our just, you know, attention or whatever. And so, but I also kind of like being that, like I like to. Underdog. Yeah. I like being the underdog. Yeah. I do too. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I think it drives you more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the NAS podcast with Philip Peterson. Ooh, what's what we got there? It's my hand stretch. Oh, I thought you were doing that like. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, ow. Oh my god. What did your shoulder pop from your fingers? <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> and we did it. Ouch. <laughs>